0: Are we recording right now? Yeah. <laughs> Fun. Okay. This voice is Hannah, and this
1: voice is Marissa. Also, would probably am is our turned on by it. Hartslauhsky. Yeah. Uh, of course. Doesn't actually no. make a ton of sense. No. What are you doing? Are you talking to yourself? Oh my god, I already hate this story. You know what? I'm okay with that. Because I just thought you would like bleed suddenly yeah. at any <laughs> good moment. My erotic fanfiction isn't fucking interesting enough for you. Hello, you're listening to Tell Us More podcast never asked you how your weekend was just a long hum just a long drawn-out hum I don't know where that came from
0: uh my weekend was really fun um except for the part where I took a nap and didn't come to the spelling bee that part was stressful
1: that's okay because it was not an eventful I realize
0: but it's also very stressful to wake up When you're supposed to be somewhere at Mm -hmm. 6.40 to wake up at 6.40 on the floor.
1: And you live very far away.
0: Yeah. And I'm completely by myself in like a not sober state of (laughs)
1: mind. That's totally okay. That's okay though because the thing, it wasn't like a 60 player night. It was No,
0: I know. It was just, it was very like, I, I literally was like, oh my God. And I looked at my phone and I was like. Fuck. <laughs> did you not set an alarm or like... No, I didn't think I was actually... I don't ever actually like take a nap. Yeah. But I straight up... You hardcore slept. Out. Yeah. I what just, did you do on fun.
1: Friday? Um, you had Man, So Why did you have Rumbleman's?
0: Because um, the first time that my work friends and I all got together, we all did a Rumbleman's shot at the end. And so then this time it was... Just- Two of the girls and I, so it was only three of us, and I was like, you guys, we should do a Rumpelman's started shot. Started
1: with a rumpy.
0: No, no, no. We just, we had drinks and food, but then we ended it with a rumpy.
1: That's the bartender's breath mint, I think they say. Bartender's mouthwash is what they call it. It's disgusting. Delicious. <laughs> it
0: just tastes a- like mouthwash, and it's like a 100 proof.
1: Yeah, I've had my fair share of rumpies, and they're probably part of the reason why Love I can't it. take that's shots anymore. What they're
0: called.
1: I don't know if that's what they're genuinely called. Well, I'm going to call, gonna them, call
0: them that from now on. Yeah. We're going to do rumpies only. Rumpies only. All no, 2K18, no, no. the rest of it. <laughs>
1: all fucking, what month is it? It's September? I remember like, all three months uh-huh. left.
0: Rumpies. It's mint. That's like a Christmassy drink. But it's also... Oh my god. <sighs> you know what I had in Iowa? What? Crown apple. Yeah. With cranberry. I don't hate crown apple. With cranberry? It's amazing. You should give that a shot. It's apparently the new, I, I was told by the man that was ordering them for me, that it was the new white girl drink. Like, it's the new vodka red bull. Oh,
1: it's the new vodka. Well, I don't know if I can give up my vodka red bulls.
0: I I, well, I will say I switched over to cranberry crowns.
1: Officially. <laughs> no,
0: just that night. You, I, mean, I, oh. I got really drunk, too. Oh, It was wow. really fun. Let me walk through the rain.
1: Rumplements reminds me of my last semester of college. See, I never did them.
0: That much.
1: Well, I never, so like, I would always come home. At that point, because I had like broken up with my boyfriend, and I just like I just wanted to be with Lucia. Like I don't, I did not care. I okay. just wanted to be with Lucia. I okay. did not want to be in school.
0: No, that's fine. I'm just nervous how this has to do with. I keep thinking you're gonna say I just always came home and did rumplements. No, like, we, but yourself. that we
1: always took rumplements. Like okay. we discovered rumplements at that stage in our life, like that early twenties. Yeah. Because I'm about to enter my late twenties. <laughs> early twenties. R.I.P. My youth <laughs> for real. We, we was all rumpies.
0: That's funny. That was my first shot I ever did with Vanessa Naloxis, was a Rumpleman shot.
1: Mine was a little tiny bit of Everclear, and that night I. Like, how hmm. much of a tiny bit? Do like, you a... need a lot of Everclear for it to. No, I'm just curious. I did, not a full shot glass. I know that. Like a half? Or like a third? Probably a little. Probably like a third. Like a third. Like a third. Everclear? And that I... was your
0: first shot? That's kind of fucking mean. To ever do your first shot and have it be fucking
1: ever. Sarah, <laughs> Sarah, ever the cheap asshole. Um, your roommate. My roommate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> She's not an asshole. She's not an asshole. Um, she was just super cheap and she, she was like, we we, we were in Wisconsin yep. and Everclear was just a thing there. It was legal. It was, it was very easy to get. So when she. Is
0: Everclear not legal certain
1: places? I don't think it was when we were in college. I no. don't think they had it in Minnesota. They didn't have it in I Minnesota. I didn't go to
0: Minnesota when we were in college either, so I have no idea. Yeah.
1: I don't think, they did not have it in Minnesota when, when I was in college or when we were in, in college. Wisconsin. Go over there it's with your Everclear. Wisconsin. Yeah. So Getting when. rowdy. My boyfriend's frat friends would buy us alcohol she would always get Everclear because it would save her money and it would only take her, like, two shots to get plastered. Just the
0: logic behind a college brand, Like, I get it. I still get it.
1: (laughs) No, she was super... She was like, why "Why am I going to, like, buy Ron Diaz and have... She's like, what's the most fiscal... (laughs) Fiscally responsible thing I can can get get drunk? drunk. (laughs) And to her, it was Everclear. So, I don't... I mean... It's a bold move. Maybe my first shot was, like, a cherry bomb, like a Washington apple or something like that, but I specifically remember... And like apple pie, like I'm sure apple pie, yeah, like something. the fucking apple pie days.
0: Well, Five I was months. told after I asked what the, cause I had to ask what that was that we were drinking down in Iowa, the crown apple, um, cranberry. And I asked that and he told me and then I, he goes, what was the shot that we kept ordering? And I was like, we what? What? <laughs> he was like, yeah, we kept ordering. You kept having me order like three rounds of these shots and they were like all these weird colors. And I was like. Bitch, I don't drink. Like, I don't do shots. I have no but idea. But apparently, like, Drunk Pan, was making him. I, after he said they were, like, weird colors, I was like, oh, is it a fucking Scooby snack? <laughs> he was like, fucking Yeah, Scooby snack. I so we remember were doing, Scooby we did, snacks. like, seven Scooby shots. Scooby snack shots. I've as, had like, those, yeah. That tastes something.
1: like vomit to me. So do water it moccasins. It just taste
0: like, they taste like, I hate water moccasins.
1: Water moccasins were my early 20s.
0: I never did, like, Scooby snacks, like,
1: did Scooby Snacks. I never did,
0: like, shots. Like, every time everybody was like, do you want to do a
1: shot? I did tequila. I would do, like, Yig Bombs. I would do the water moccasins. Like, those were you my go to You did Bombs in Chelsea's basement Ugh.
0: in high school. Ugh. The whole basement smelled like black licorice. I can't. It was
1: revolting. I don't even know how I, was, how I ever did. I'm, like, getting kind of nauseous thinking about doing a shot. Well. I don't know how I ever did.
0: I well, it's because you're so old now. <laughs> I'm so old. <laughs> no, I, I always think it's funny to like think back about how like some of the shit that we used to drink was so like we were talking with my work friends. We were talking about like UV blue. <gasps> Ooh, and Gatorade. Right, Doesn't it just make you like? I mean, oh, you mix it with Gatorade. We did. You're supposed to mix it with Gatorade. You're supposed to drink Gatorade the next day. Oh, oh yeah, we did both, God. we fucked up.
1: We fucked up. We fucked up. We fucked up. We did Ron Diaz and Dr. Pepper, and one time somebody gave me a Dr. Pepper at work, because they just, like, accidentally got it. I started gagging, and I was like, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't can't. do this. And my boss was like, what? And I was like, it reminds me of college, and that's all I'm saying. And then I gave it to someone else.
0: I can't smell strawberry hand sanitizer. It smells like strawberry Smirnoff. Oh. It makes my, and that's what I drank that one night at the Halloween party. Oh, I drank an entire thing of that. But that's it, nasty. Literally, I like, it makes me, When people put it, like, it's not like people carry around hand sanitizer as much, but there was like a two year period where like everyone had hand sanitizer, if it's you like. Liked. a thing. Yeah. You just had to keep it on your kitchen. Yeah, like chain. the little jelly ones that were on your kitchen. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Um, and people would like pop them and I would literally almost like vomit. Yeah. Like I cannot, I cannot be right. No,
1: here. not at all. Um. Anyway, this is Season oh, yeah. 2, episode Welcome 5. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to this. is Marissa. And
0: this is Hannah.
1: Yay. Um, so it's my turn to go first. Ruth Handler was born November 4th, 1916. Married her high school sweetheart, Elliot. And by 1938, they were living in LA. By 1945, <laughs> by 1945 her husband and their business partner, Harold Mattson, founded Mattel to make picture frames. Oh, Frame. shit. Her husband would use picture frame scraps to make tiny furniture, which is how they got into making toys. From this, beca- they became a toy company because it sold like hat cakes. <laughs> they made toys such as pop guns, ukuleles, you know, to put What is kids this kids? voice? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is voice. I love it. It's, it's like, like a bird. it's a, it's a, it's like a biopic narrator voice. I am. I am.
0: Okay. Biopic narrator.
1: I'm here for it. I just it. keep going. I just. I'm here for it. Um. Let me close my eyes. This quote by Investor's Business Daily kind of summarizes the importance of Ruth and how they ran the company. By 1951, Mattel had 600 employees. Ruth, as the executive vice president, handled marketing and operations. Nice. Ruth was very hands-on. She was on the floor doing quality control. She and Elliot had an open hiring policy. She hired for talent. No. (laughs) Not in the 50s. Got it. Maybe in the 50s. Who knows? Uh, Robin Gerber, author of Barbie and Ruth, told IBD their factories employed far more women and people of color than uh-huh. the norms of the day. Okay. And in 1951, Mattel earned the Urban League Award for Non-Discriminatory Hiring Practices. Killing it? So we kill it. We kill it. Is um, that a
0: direct quote Yeah, we kill it. We kill it.
1: We kill it. We kill it. Ruth Handler, 1951. That was her acceptance speech, actually. We kill that. We kill that.
0: <laughs> I'm Ruth Handler. We kill that.
1: I remember that, let me call that. Um, and the, in 1955, the handlers bought 52 weeks of advertising on the new Mickey Mouse Club television show.
0: Nice.
1: Marketing, this, so this marks the first time toys had been advertised on a year round basis. Oh, shit. So, in conjunction with the company's sponsor, sponsorship of the show, Mattel introduced a child sized mouse guitar, which became an instant sensation in the industry. A mouse guitar? Mm-hmm. So, instead of Mouse Keteer? Like a Mickey Mouse theme. Got it. Right. Okay, here for it. This brings us up to 1959, AKA the birth of the Barbie. As the story goes, Ruth was watching her daughter Barbara. The birth of the Barbie. The birth of the Barbie. Okay. As the story goes, Ruth was watching her daughter Barbara and her stop. Friend. Okay. <laughs> Play, that's my Halloween voice. I know you keep going into it. I know. Because her, her name going to be Ruth or Barbara? Maybe her Ruth should. Maybe her name should be Ruth Barbara. Maybe that's my jaded style. Officer, I'm Ruth Barbara. Officer, <laughs> I'm, I'm Ruth Barbara. I was a cigarette girl in the casinos. Yes. Oh my god. Is your husband done?
0: My husband's wasn't dead? My husband. He fell down the stairs. He fell down the
1: stairs. An owl got him. <laughs> an owl an owl knocked him over. Um, where was it? Okay. Birth of so, Barbie. The birth of Barbie. So Ruth was watching her daughter Barbara and her friend play with paper dolls, and they were acting out like their futures, what they would look like. So they weren't doing like what they would do at their age. They were tend to be, like, teenagers and career women. And so Ruth got the idea... Right, imagination. Ruth got the idea to create a doll that looked more adult-like. She said, and this is a quote, she said, I believed it was important to a little girl's self-esteem to play with a doll that had breasts. Important. 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 <laughs> important. Uh, Ruth Handler suggested making a three-dimensional doll through which little girls could act out their dreams um, I assume imagining themselves with careers as adults is what she, why she wanted it to be like a mature looking doll. So they could like envision themselves as looking like an adult. With the titties. With the titties. With them titties.
0: With the titties. It's important that the titties be there. The
1: titties are, you more. know what, some, some ladies that are adults don't have titties. And herein lies the issue. And here that's the main issue with Barbie. Um, and she named the doll Barbie after her daughter, Barbara, because Barbie, as we know, is a nickname for Barbara. If you didn't know, now you know. (laughs) And if you didn't know, now you know, Barbie. Uh, they introduced Barbie at the 1959 New York Toy Fair, and by Christmas, it was on every little girl's wish list. Oh. And then Ken came along in 1961. Good old Barbie. Good old Barbie. Ruth said, Barbie has always represented that a woman has choices. Even in her early years, Barbie did not have to settle for only being Ken's girlfriend or an invertebrate shopper. She had to close, for example, to launch a career as a nurse, a stewardess, a nightclub right, because singer. because that's what you need as a the clothes. a nurse clothes. Exactly what i yeah. I
0: feel like this is coming from a very nice, like, it's coming from a good yeah, spot, but it It is. It's
1: going wrong. It is. <laughs> She's uh, doing her best. A nightclub, or a nightclub singer, those are her options. I believe the choices Barbie sorry, represents. She has the
0: clothes to be a night a nurse, a what? A,
1: a stewardess and a, a nightclub stu- singer. The three main professions st- three for women. <laughs> women. Three main professions. The trifecta. Okay. Um okay. I believe the choices Barbie represents helped the doll catch on initially, not just with daughters who would one day make up the first major wave of women in management and professionals, but also with mothers.
0: She's coming from
1: a good it sounds like she means well. Does doesn't it sound heartwarming? Yeah. Oh, it's gonna get pervy. Okay, great. great. I call this story, Ruth Handler, the dark side of Barbie. I'm scared. Yeah, we're about to take a deep fucking dive. Is it about to get dark? right now? It's about to get dark. It's going from mild to wild? That's like, what I just read you, going from mild to wild. What I just read you was the image that they wanted Barbie to have. It was a fluffed up version of the truth. See,
0: and I was sitting here just so excited that there was so much good intention behind Barbie.
1: I think there I think there was initially but in reality corruption mm-hmm. men men ruin a lot in reality oh. <laughs> as the story goes Barbie's look was inspired by a doll that Ruth saw while on a family vacation in Switzerland um, it was called the Build Lily doll from Germany, and I read that this was basically a racy comic book character. She was a gold digger intended for adult men. This was literally this was a sex toy in Germany.
0: Barbie's the, based off of a sex toy. In yep. Germany.
1: Mm-hmm. And what was her name? Build Lily. It's called the Build Lily doll. Um, okay. Yeah, no, it was genuinely like a sex toy. Love it. Um, so again, kind of like the ShamWow guy, we're not really coming up with our own ideas. <sighs> we're taking things. Everything is just a stolen idea. And everything. Welcome to America. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome to America. Everything's a stolen idea. Um, I hate it. Anyway, I hate it. Um, and there's also going to be some lawsuits in this one. I'm not shocked. <laughs> Much normally. like the ShamWow guy. Um, and this leads us to a guy. So this is there's there's a guy named Jack Ryan. He was an employer of Mattel. He was on the design team and he was coined the father of the Barbie. Basically, he's responsible for making her bend and cuz he well, he was a former missile designer turned toy maker,
0: which is a normal progression.
1: Exactly. You've
0: obviously become a toy maker after you've been making missiles. Normal jobs, normal things. Normal. normal. Everything is totally Exactly.
1: Casual. Um, But he was actually super pervy and problematic. Shocking. Right. A guy that wants to make women, women's bodies. I don't know
0: what you're talking about. Right.
1: He was married five times. He was a cheater. He partied all the time. He was just a super gross guy. But he claims that he's the one that actually came up with the idea for Barbie and that Ruth's story was not the origin story. He claimed that, what a jackass, he came up with the idea because he didn't want girls to play with dopey looking dolls.
0: Hmm. clearly Love you have to have a, a
1: sex doll to play with um, and that she was actually named after his wife who was also named Barbara Which one? What I was five? just going to say I don't know what number wife she was but Good. it was Barbara Good. so this was a constant source of tension even from the beginning like things were fucked up from the start of Barbie so for some reason the deal that they made with him was that they weren't going to pay him a salary they were just going to give him 1.5% of Mattel's gross sales and this is an important thing to, re- to remember for mm-hmm. later and the Toy Fair story yeah not so heartwarming okay. Barbie didn't go over as well as uh, people would like you to believe okay. everyone was basically like what the fuck Ruth this doll is inappropriate mothers were like why does why does it have boobs I'm not gonna buy this for my kid people called it pornographic and it really doesn't look much different from the Lily doll that inspired it Like, and her body, obviously Barbie's body is extremely realistic. Like, she wouldn't be able to exist as a person. (laughs) Like, she's, it's just unrealistic. And so she was like, well, fuck. Uh, How are we going to figure this out? Like, we have to figure out a way to advertise this and make money. So she hired this guy named Ernest Dichter, Dichter or something. He was an advertising guru. And what he did was he watched girls... And mothers interact with the doll. So okay. he had like, God,
0: that's where that
1: sentence went. Right. He just watched girls. End of story. What's that called? Like a voyeurism? No. Like he had like a <laughs> thing. Like he had people come in and play with it and watched oh. observed people. Like a group research Marketing setting. Research group. Marketing setting. research group setting. That's that's what he held. It's called something. It is legitimately called something. Like a focus group. Yes. Oh my God. It was a focus group. Jesus but Christ. Jesus. That was hard. He got there. He twisted the, to the narrative and was basically like, well, since Barbie was well-dressed and attractive, mothers need to buy her to, te- to use as like a teaching tool for their daughters about the importance of appearance and femininity. Oh, my God. So he just manipulated it. Cool. He was like, no, you, this cool. is good for your daughter. Like, cool. you are wrong. You're not, you're just not seeing it correctly. Cool. Which is probably the real reason Ken came along in 1961 because girls just need boyfriends,
0: right? You can't just right. have this doll. No, out there trying she needs to be a purpose with all her clothes.
1: She needs a purpose. She's
0: got to have a man.
1: Exactly, and also uh, Ken is her son's name. So really, fucking weird that
0: Barbara's son
1: Ken no, is, Ken is Ruth's, Ruth's son's name. Ew, so Barbara named is her. After her two kids. Yep. 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 Gross. Ruth has no boundaries. Ew. But in 1961, Barbara was like,
0: give me, don't give me my fucking brother. Right. right. I highly Ew. doubt
1: Barbara was excited about this.
0: Fucking Christ. In
1: 1961, another thing happened. It was a lawsuit.
0: Another thing. Another happened. thing
1: happened. Uh, remember, so the Bill's Lily doll from two mm-hmm. seconds ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the patent holder was a German company called G and H, and they were like what the fuck that you took our doll we're suing you right so ruth was like oh well and just bought the rights from them for 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 21,600 she just like bought the rights to the doll oh it was like oh this is just gonna be mine now
0: again welcome to america exactly
1: welcome to america nothing's original um and then ruth was diagnosed with breast cancer in 1970 shit she survived though and came back to work after her mastectomy Cool. this is where things start to take an even sketchier turn. love it. So it turns out Mattel did this thing called bill and hold, which is, te- it's technically legal. But what it is, is a seller of a good bills a customer for products, but does not ship the product until a later date. And this somehow helped businesses maintain their stock prices. I don't. Maybe it made it look like, oh, we had all these people buy things, but look how much more we have. Like, oh my god, we're selling like hotcakes. You better yeah. keep coming in. I'm not
0: I don't get that. Again, well, we, yeah. don't no. No. we don't know stocks. We don't know stocks. Shipping
1: methods. Right. methods. Um and Sales. since but since they did this so much, what happened was they submitted false and misleading information on financial reports. Great. Because they just did it too much. Yeah,
0: it seems like a great idea.
1: Exactly. Um, Ruth claimed that she didn't know the full extent of the practice. But since she was so involved and had such an eye for detail, people were like, yeah, right, Ruth. Like Once again, it's like... We know. Come on. She's like pre-Martha. you probably
0: paying attention. Exactly.
1: Happening, like Martha was. Exactly. So in 1972, shareholders filed a five, five class action lawsuits against Mattel. And then in 1974, the SEC, which is the Stock Exchange Commission, I think it stands for that. I can't remember. They're the people that watch over and make sure that stocks are being traded ethically is what they are. They began investigating and then so she and Elliot left the company. Oh, shit. They're like, bye. LOL, bye. LOL, bye. Um, During this investigation, she took a different business route. She was unhappy with the implants that she had and decided that she wanted to make an implant with a more natural feel. Wait,
0: wait, wait.
1: She got an implant oh, she because she had a mastectomy, of her, okay. because of a mastectomy. I
0: just forgot the part where we were talking about her titties. Suddenly. Right. Got it. Yeah,
1: titties. She was like, this just doesn't like, feel right. I, I need something Great. that's more natural. Cool. So, Good for you. exactly. So, she teamed up with a sculptor named Pey- Peyton Macy and they created Nearly Me, a reasonably priced, natural feeling line of prosthetics. Fitted to a women's bra size. So I think they were just stuffed bras. Like Wonder bra. Yeah, I think so. Oh, shit. Um, And it launched in 1976 in high-end department stores, and then letters of gratitude poured in, including one from Betty Ford. Shit. Yeah. So. This is Ruth doing this. Ruth. Ruth did this. Oh, yeah. She left She left Mattel, and then this is what the next, event, next business venture. venture. Exactly. Right. Ruth could not be stopped. Um, But then on February seventeenth, 1978, she was indicted on 10 counts of mail fraud. She can be stopped. She can be stopped. (laughs) And making false statements to the SEC and federally insured banks. She was fined $57,000 and a sentence of 500 hours of community service for five years. Uh, Her probation officer assigned her to help create Foundation for People, which helped young, disadvantaged young men. um, Young, disadvantaged young men. I don't know why I have young in there twice. Because they're very young. They're super young. How uh, She helped them with job training. Oh. Um, and then the class action lawsuit was settled for $30 million. So I think those were two different things. Okay. right? the The class action lawsuit and then the SEC were just two different things going against her at the time. Okay. Um, so got all the lawsuits. Ex- all the lawsuits. And there's more. In 1980, Jack Ryan, he just had enough. He claimed that Ms. Tell was screwing him over these past 20 years. And that they stole his idea. and Jack
0: Ryan's the one that made it bendable? Yeah. He's the creepy...
1: He's the creepy pervy creepy one. And it. claimed that they were screwing him over and that they stole his idea, so he sued them. It was a mess. Um, he claimed the company had understated the royalty payments that they made to him by almost $24 million. So he he's claiming that he's lost out on millions because they screwed right. him over. Because and probably, yeah, actually...
0: One point five percent of whatever. Exactly.
1: So they did honestly kind of screw him.
0: I mean, is he like a millionaire?
1: I don't know how what his net worth was, um, but after nearly ten years of legal wrestling, Ryan and Mattel settled for ten million out of court. Okay, so he's a millionaire now. But then he had a stroke no. in nineteen eighty nine.
0: I don't feel like he's the hero of this story mm, no
1: not really um but also in 1989, 1989 ruth was inducted into the toy industry hall of fame so just Shit, another stab at jack sure ryan
0: who this hero is is ruth the hero no she seems like one of those anti
1: she is cool um but her health was declining and so that same year she sold nearly me to the spenco medical company cool and then in 1991, Jack Ryan commits suicide. Oh, shit, Jack Ryan. And in
0: 1990,
1: this is sad. This, this is really sad. In like 19, that
0: you have to tell me to be sad.
1: This part <laughs> is pretty sad. In 1992, her son, Ken, was diagnosed with AIDS. Oh, that is sad. So, but then Ruth and Elliot were like, we're going to get ahead of this. They started funding all this research for AIDS. Mm-hmm. So that is nice. Cool. Um, but then he actually ended up dying in 1994. So Ken died. The namesake of I, I know. We didn't know. And I think that so that was I think the same year that the executive of Mattel, because remember the, mm-hmm. the the handlers are not a part of Mattel anymore. Right. The executive of Mattel, Jill, I think it's pronounced Barad, B A R A D. She wanted Ruth to come back to Barbie, not officially, but to like go on tour with her to celebrate right. Barbie's accomplishments. Right. Barbie was an astronaut before there was actually a female astronaut. And Jill wanted to celebrate Barbie's many careers, and so she called it We Girls Can Do Anything. What year is this? Uh, It's in the 90s, like mid-90s. But then Ruth passed away on April 27th, 2002. Before her death, she said, even now at 77, I can say that whatever has driven me for all these years is driving me still, even if at a slower pace. There's still a lot of fight in me, and perhaps the fight's the thing. Oh my god. That kind of makes me a little sad. But she was basically like, she was this sketchy woman, but basically did everything to claw her way to the top. She was like, I'm going to fucking do this. Like, I don't think she started her business with the intent of being sketchy. I think that it just happened along the way, because she was like, well,
0: she's dabbling in women's rights. Right. Right. She
1: still employed, like, she still did a lot of good things. She just also did sketchy things when it came to money. Yeah. And like,
0: and I mean, girls can be embezzlers too.
1: Exactly, that's what we learned from Martha right? and Ruth. Right. Girls can be embezzlers too.
0: Right. That's all I'm saying. Is like, live your dream, love your life. Just because you're a girl doesn't mean that you can't do gender can, training. Right. You can commit SEC.
1: You can commit securities fraud.
0: Then you're gonna go to jail for right. five months.
1: She, Martha went to jail, but Ruth just had to pay a fine and did 500 hours of community service. So, so if you're a white woman, you might not necessarily go to jail. Oh, yeah. And if it is, it's a white collar jail in Virginia.
0: And you're still Martha Stewart. And
1: you're still Martha Stewart.
0: Or Ruth Handler. Mm -hmm. Megan Allen's Wonder Bros.
1: I guess my story wasn't that long. I thought it was a lot longer, but probably because I spent a lot of time researching it because there were so many like twists and turns. She
0: has a lot of. That did not go the way that I thought it was going to. Right, I exactly. It. I Thank had no you. idea about the bra situation.
1: She's probably my favorite one so far. Her and the Shamwell guy were really fun to to, to dive into. I
0: liked her.
1: Yeah, she sounds. Um, I don't hate her. No, I
0: love a good anti-hero.
1: Mm-hmm. Someone
0: that's like, we're rooting for you, but also you're doing some sketchy shit.
1: Exactly, because girls are allowed to be sketchy too. We girls can do anything. Oh.
0: but your dream, and your truth and your. and your goal crush and be a goal crush
1: ruth might have also had some big dick energy yeah there are more
0: it sounds like she and martha would have gotten along
1: oh my god yes i feel like there are more women out there that exude big dick energy than men
0: oh yeah that's a whole
1: yeah it's just fuck yeah okay well what do you have for me Wilma (laughs) Mankiller. Okay. Is this her given name? It actually is. So shut up. Her name was Mankiller.
0: Wilma Mankiller. She was born on November 18th, 1945. Uh A Scorpio. Hastings Indian Hospital in Toluqua, Oklahoma? Tahlequah, Oklahoma? There's a lot of um H's and
1: Q's. Oklahoma, Uh nonetheless. She was born in Oklahoma. Oklahoma!
0: The wind comes rushing through the trees or something. Something like that. Um boop doop So she was born. That's how far we go.
1: boop doop She was um, born. End of story. Her
0: father was a full-blooded Cherokee, and her mother was of Dutch and Irish descent. Okay. The last name Mankiller in the Cherokee language refers to a traditional Cherokee rank similar to captain or major. Okay. So.
1: Important.
0: Was genuinely her given name, which I
1: understand. Cool.
0: Uh, the house she lived in as a child had no electricity or plumbing. They lived in extreme poverty. The family hunted and fished and maintained a vegetable garden to feed themselves, and then they also grew peanuts and strawberries, which they sold. Mankiller went to school through fifth grade in a three-room schoolhouse in the Rocky Mountains. Yes. Her family spoke both English and Cherokee at the home. The Indian Relocation Act of 1956 was a law intended to encourage Native Americans to relocate their families to urban areas and assimilate to the general population. Okay. Agents of the Bureau of Indian Affairs promised better jobs and living conditions for the family. Keyword is promised. Mm-hmm. Family chose to move to San Francisco. When they arrived, there was no promised apartment available to them. There was basically no nothing that was promised to them. Well, available. yeah, that's
1: usually Native Americans get screwed over. So Yeah.
0: Um, the family moved into a squalid hotel for several weeks. That was their only option. Just a gross Hotel. Uh, And then they moved to Pottero Hill, where her father and uncle worked and still struggled financially. So they are living in a not great neighborhood, essentially.
1: Not great. Uh,
0: Mankiller and her siblings enrolled in school, but she was bullied for her surname and about her clothes and the way she spoke. She decided to run away and live with her grandmother for a few years. And then when she came back to the family, they were living in an even... Worst neighborhood, riddled with crime, drugs, and gangs. She became super active in the San Francisco Indian Center and remained indifferent to school until... But she did graduate high school. Um, As soon as she finished high school, Maynard found a clerical job at a finance company and moved in with her sister. That summer, at a Latin dance, she met Hector Hugo Olea de Bargui, an Ecuadorian college student from a well-to-do family. Uh they began dating and they found she found him sophisticated. And despite her parents' discomfort with the union, the two married in Reno, Nevada on November
1: 13th, 1963. Hell yeah, before my birthday. Yeah. Um
0: they returned to California, moved into an apartment in the mission district, and ten months later welcomed their daughter Felicia. They moved to a house in a nearby neighborhood, and then had a second daughter, Gina. Um Bop, 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 bop. Mankiller was busy raising their daughters while Ole- Olea continued his schooling in San Francisco. Um, sh- he saw his role as the family's provider, leaving his wife at home to bring up the children. But Mankiller was restless and returned to Hell school. Yeah. Um, and really, in classes at Skyline Junior College for the first time, she enjoyed school and took only courses which interested her. So she was like, Right,
1: fuck I yeah. don't want to sit at home and be housewife. I hate that archaic concept of a woman having to sit at home. Like, a man can still provide, but you shouldn't expect your woman to stay at home and raise the kids and be a housewife just because you're a man and she's a woman. No, sweetie, this is a partnership.
0: No one is arguing with
1: you or I, mm, I have some friends that um, would think otherwise mm-hmm. that I will constantly berate them for. But anyway, women, you do not have to stay at home and be a housewife and a mother. You can still... Be good to your husband and not be controlled. That's the moral of the story.
0: Yeah, that's the end of my story. That was (laughs) Wilma (laughs) made.
1: She went to college and said, I'm going to do what I want.
0: Literally. Uh, No. So in 1964, a group of red power activists occupied Alcatraz for a few hours. Um, In the late 1960s, a group of students from the University of California, along with students from San Francisco State, began protesting the Vietnam War in favor of civil rights for ethnic minorities and women. 1969, Mankiller became deeply inspired by a group of young protesters fighting for Native American rights. They had taken control of Alcatraz, the famous abandoned prison, to bring attention to the government's mistreatment of Native Americans.
1: Oh, it was a symbol. Yeah. Prior to the
0: November takeover of the island, she had not been involved in the American Indian Movement or the Union Bay Council, she began to meet with other Native Americans who had participated at the Indian Center, becoming active in groups supporting the occupation. While she did visit Alcatraz, most of her work focused on fundraising and support, gathering supplies of blankets, food, and water for those out on the island. So this was a long, ongoing thing. She was the one that was out there, like helping make sure they have all the supplies yeah. they need, and she went to visit them a couple times, but like wasn't. They're like, we're gonna on.
1: do this thing. We're gonna get your attention. Yes. yes.
0: So then she's quoted as saying, uh, it was on Alcatraz where at long last, some Native Americans, including me, truly began to regain our balance. So I liked that quote. Soon after the occupation began, Charlie Mantiller was diagnosed with kidney disease. That was her father, was diagnosed with kidney disease. So in between her activism, school, and family obligations, she spent as much time with him as she was able to. The occupation lasted 19 months, and during that time, Mankiller learned organizational skills and how to do paralegal research. She had been encouraged by other activists to continue her studies and began, began planning a career.
1: Yeah. So. We love a career.
0: Right. She's, like, finding her niche in this, basically, like, human rights, Native American rights campaigning.
1: On her father's, upon her
0: father's death in 1971, the Mankiller family returned to Oklahoma for his burial. And then when she was trans or when she returned to California, she transferred to San Francisco State University and began to focus classes on social welfare. Against her husband's wishes.
1: Yeah, girl, against she the grain,
0: baby. Bought her own car and began to seek independence taking her daughters to Native American events along the West Coast. On her travel, she met members of the Pitt River tribe in Northern California. And joined their campaign for compensation with the Indian Claims Commission and Pacific Gas and Electric Company for lands illegally taken from the tribe during the California Gold Rush. So over the next five years, she assisted in the tri- assisted the tribe in raising funds for its legal defense and helped prepare documentation for their claim, gaining experience of international and treaty fund laws. She survived this like crazy car crash that killed one of her friends, and she was unable to work for 18 months. She survived seventeen surgeries.
1: Oh my God! And what year was this?
0: Um, it was nineteen eighties.
1: Oh okay. Eighties. Oh okay. I was thinking it was like the sixties, and I'm like, damn, no. seven surgeries. No.
0: Seventeen surgeries.
1: Seventeen. Mostly on her life. Oh wow.
0: Yeah. So in eighty three, she finally returned to work and was excited when the Cherokee Nation's pu- principal chief Ross Swimmer asked her to run in the upcoming election alongside him as deputy chief. So in the 1985 in 1985, Mankiller landed the position of principal chief, the first woman with that title. Yeah. So she's the first woman chief of the Cherokee tribe. Fuck yes, Queen. Um, she used her platform to help her tribe in many ways. One of her primary goals was to empower her people to achieve new levels of self-sufficiency. She helped get cleaner water, created a job center, improved adult literacy, created summer programs for kids, and increased the number of health clinics on the nation's land. Um, She's also very concerned with women's rights. Fuck yeah. Obviously. She worked in mentoring programs to help strengthen Native American girls' self-esteem. She has quoted, Western movies always seem to show Indian women washing clothes at the creek and the men with a tomahawk or spear in their hands adorned with lots of feathers. Many think that we're either visionaries Noble savages or squaw drudges or tragic alcoholics were very rarely depicted as real people. So she was, like, passionate about combating that harmful negative stereotype, obviously. So I have this book. Oh! I found Wilma Mankiller in this book.
1: Fight Like a Girl. Oh, I've heard that book. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah.
0: So this book's called Fight Like a Girl, 50 Feminists Who Changed the World. It says that she proved to be one of the most effective leaders her tribe has ever seen. She did it all while battling lame, pre- like that literally says, battling lame preconceptions about women's ability to lead. And she apparently did it while battling severe health issues. She had kidney failure to multiple bouts of cancer to grave neuromuscular condition.
1: She's like nothing's gonna stop me. Not a man. Not my body. The next
0: sentence says she was a diehard optimist, even in the face of terrible luck and tragedy. So it's this is another quote from her. I really like getting the quotes from the people because I feel like it's like it's in their own words. Right. She said, "How can I be anything but positive when I come from a tenacious, resilient people who keep me moving forward with an eye toward the future, even after an enduring unspeakable hardship." How can I not be positive when I've lived longer than I have ever dreamed possible and my life plays out in a supportive community of extended family and friends? There is so much to be thankful for. Some quotes of hers are that she's run into more discrimination as a woman than as an Indian. Suddenly you hear young Cherokee Cherokee girls talking about becoming leaders. And in Cherokee families, there is so much more encouragement of girls, which I love. And then she said, prior to my election, young Cherokee girls would have never thought that they might grow up and become the chief. So then, cool little facts. 2010, after Mankiller died, President Barack Obama released a moving statement about her saying, she served as an inspiration to women in Indian country and across America. Her legacy will continue to encourage and motivate all who carry on her work. So, and then there was one... Oh, she got the Presidential Medal of Freedom for her activism and work leading the Cherokee Nation.
1: Posthumously or before she died? It says 1998. Oh, okay, so it's before she, she got yeah, the. Yeah, drug
0: yeah, drug drug. yeah. Yeah, because she died in 2010. So that's Wilma Mankiller. Fuck yes, Wilma. Oh, just happened to find in this little book.
1: Fight like a girl.
0: And it has like these illustrations of them. I, <laughs> I love like it. I've heard that.
1: of that book before. Yeah, um, it's a great
0: book. It's by Laura Barcella, I think is Barcella Barcella something. Laura Laura. 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 Laura B. Laura B. wrote it. And I might do more from this because it's literally just...
1: Just a bunch of badass women making a difference, Yes, I do have to say, so my friend KJ from Trivia, she is native. Yes. And she told me that Sephora is starting to sell, like, saging kits. Don't buy them from Sephora. That is a white company... Sephora
0: is trying to stop, like, Sephora brand? Yep.
1: Um, sage, saging kits. So, okay. don't buy them. That is a white company making money off of Native American practices. Um, if you want to buy sage and get into saging, please buy it from a Native American-owned like store. So, not even Whole Foods. Like I was like, I bought it from Whole Foods, and she was like, <laughs> that she was like, just like buy it don't from I somewhere else. I bought it from Whole. No, Foods. I know. I felt so bad because I didn't. I didn't even know. And right. she was like, she was like, even I have the Horus metaphysical is a good place to buy it from just don't buy it from this white corporation that's going to benefit like off of Native American culture and just sell it as like a trendy like kit like oh this is like a fun thing to do it's actually like a really important part of religious ceremonies in Native American culture and I use it it's not
0: something you just like do like that's right right It's very bothersome. I'm like I know face masks. Exactly.
1: That's and that's why it's like super problematic because they're treating it like a trend, whereas this is like a huge important part of a Native American culture and it has been since the dawn of time. So if you want to get into saging, that's fine. Just do it from like buy it from a native
0: and like figure out why you want it. Like, learn about what you think you're doing. Right, exactly. Before you just, like, do
1: things. Exactly. And I've done it before, and I have done my research because I do believe in that sort of stuff. And so just, you know, if you want to look into a Native American culture, don't treat it as a trend. Be, like, respectful about it and don't buy shit. I love Sephora, but don't buy things that benefit off of other people's culture and treat it like a trend that you came up with and it's like this fun cool thing that you're doing it's super disrespectful so no shade no tea but all the shade all the tea yeah
0: mama mayfiller does not want you to buy fucking she doesn't want
1: that she wants you to support native american culture in a positive way and not use it as a trend
0: yeah and learn about it of the cherokee nation Fuck yes. I didn't even know that that was a thing. I didn't know there Maybe. were any female chiefs of the Cherokee Nation.
1: I didn't know that it was even a, a thing to not be a, a female yeah, chief. Yeah, I didn't know anything right. about I it. Right, I knew nothing about it, and now I'm happy that it...
0: He- so, oh, yeah. what a beautiful story. There you go. That was Wilma and. um... Ruth
1: Handler. Wilma and Ruth. Wilma and Ruth. The classics. (laughs) Women that take fucking charge of their own destiny, and some of them better than others. Uh, but nonetheless, powerful women. I'd say, for better or worse, they're both powerful women. All right. That's the end. That wraps up season two, episode five. Episode five. Episode five. Bye. Bye. Is that funny? That's funny. Okay.